from high atop his mountain of index cards and tournament brackets, this is the Joy of Booking, a fantasy booking podcast. Here's your host, DC Matthews. Why, thank you, Brandon Banks, and welcome back to the Joy of Booking. My name is, in fact, DC Matthews, at the DC Matthews. I hope you're doing well. And I hope those that you love are doing well as well. I know what you're thinking. You're saying to yourself, my word, DC Matthews, your voice sounds smooth. There's a level of calmness to you. You, you, you down well might, might even say that I sound like I belong on national public radio. Which is, I suppose, the vibe that I'm going for. Even though I just dropped a whole bunch of crap off the dresser. And by dresser, I mean the little filing cabinet set up next to me. Um, I was not feeling well earlier. I'm still recovering from a cold, but I'm about 90% out of it. Uh, it's the day before I return to work after a... Thanksgiving break. Thanksgiving was a little stressful this year. Thank you for asking. Um, a good time was had by most, <laughs> um, but I'm I'm was starting to stress uh, regarding returning to work, regarding all sorts of things, and <clears throat> I said to myself, "Self, is this really how you want to spend?" this Sunday afternoon, because I was going to go take out trash and do dishes and make sure we had enough food for the week and all of the things one typically does on a Sunday before the work week. And I said to myself, no, that's not how I want to spend my time. And so to continue my own sort of Socratic dialogue, I said, well, then what, pray tell, do you want to do? And I said, I want to to be calm, and I want to relax, and I want to record a podcast, because it has been a few days since I have recorded a podcast, and I know that this tag team tournament is very close to being done, maybe five or six more episodes, maybe, and so I first had to to get my head right. Um, I debated opening up the Calm app. And sort of just sitting quietly. And then I saw on my YouTube feed, uh, I had been watching clips from comedians in cars getting coffee. And I saw uh, Jerry Seinfeld talking to Howard Stern about transcendental meditation. Now, I have heard about transcendental meditation, otherwise known as TM. Um, I've heard about it for a while. Meditation is always something I've had an interest in. Um, I want to try, I want to get better at. And, you know, transcendental meditation is a very popular one, and it's very secretive. You know, other meditations like you find on the Calm app just kind of walk you through it and teach you how to do it. Transcendental meditation um, treats itself like it has a secret. It has a lockbox to bring us into the world of professional wrestling. It has a lockbox, and... Um, you know, you have to, I believe, pay money, 
um, to to uncover the secret. And then so I watched the this four minute clip of the two of them talking about meditation and how they got into it and, you know, the changes that they saw in others and themselves. And already just watching the video. I felt myself calming down because I think what happened is my breathing, since I've done meditation enough, my breathing started to slow. It began to pattern. And I, you know, <clears throat> normally there are multiple things going through my head at once, as I'm sure we all experience from time to time, some more than others. Um, but in this instance, I'm just watching this one thing. I am unitasking. I am not watching wrestling, tweeting, checking email, <clears throat> you know, the multitasking that, uh, you know, life in 2021 sort of uh, just comes with the territory. And then I said, okay. Um, and I think, I don't know if this happened, you know, it was in the links because when you go to YouTube, the algorithm, um, there was a BuzzFeed thing where four people tried transcendental meditation. So I watched that and it seemed to have a positive effect on everyone's life. But just in watching those two videos and just in, I firmly believe this unitasking, uh, my whole body calmed, my breathing got better. I felt more relaxed. And maybe that's one of the reasons why I enjoy podcasting. I am unitasking right now. If there are thoughts going through my mind, it's, oh, hey, remember to tell the lockbox story. And I just kind of put that off to the side. But I'm not doing things. I'm not checking email. It's probably one of the reasons why I try to avoid checking my Chromebook and doing research while I am podcasting because it takes me out of this moment. I am staring at the closet doors directly in front of my line of vision right now. I'm sitting kind of in the corner of one of the rooms in my palatial estate, um, and I'm staring at these white closet doors, and I'm not visually stimulated outside of that. I can see the audio track going on my periphery, so I know at least that the recording is happening. I'm not listening to Michael Cole and Taz while I'm also watching, because sometimes I'll put closed captioning on, I'll mute the wrestling, and then I'll watch a YouTube video while I'm also watching that and tweeting about it and possibly doing other things. So I enjoy the unitasking, and perhaps that's what I need to do. Maybe rather than, where is it? Where is it? <clears throat> Gotta have your water. Maybe instead of trying to focus more on meditation, Maybe I just need to focus more on unitasking because that perhaps is where the problem actually lies. Let me tell you the lockbox story. I don't know when this started. I want to say it was last night while I was lying in bed, but it may have been before. I had a three, three and a half hour drive um, yesterday coming home from Thanksgiving. And so perhaps I started thinking about it then, but I just had this idea in my head. Um, Survivor Series week ago, Vince McMahon and his golden egg. I don't know who stole the golden egg. I think they told you who stole the golden egg, but I can't remember who it was. I don't think we're ever going to talk about it again. But in my head, I was like, I have a great idea for a little vignette. 
Vince McMahon in the back of his limousine, and he's holding the golden egg. He's saying nothing. He's just sitting there holding the golden egg, smiling. And we see the limousine driving down a road. You know, maybe he's driving down the highway, cut to driving down, uh, you know, I don't know what you would call it, not a highway, but a main road driving down a less main road. And eventually it turns off of a paved road onto a dirt road. And this limousine, full stretch limousine, is in the middle of nowhere. And it pulls up, and if you remember, whenever it was that Goldberg was in the vault, do you remember that? Remember that stupid thing where Goldberg was in the vault and he comes out of the vault? I think for a video game, was it 2K16? It may have been, I can't recall. We pull up to something like that. And, you know, the limo driver opens the door. Vince McMahon gets out and says, you know, something to the effect of, I'll be just a minute. Just got to put this away in the old lockbox with a little knowing nod. Because one of the great mysteries, Shane, when he comes back, he references a lockbox. We never hear about it again, as far as I can tell. And so he goes in, he presses a code. Maybe it does one of those optical scanner sorts of things. Maybe it has a voice recognition thing, and he has to say, You're fired. The door's open. And every either um, non-finished story or, you know, uh, I don't even want to call it a controversy, but like this this lockbox, this vault is full of stuff. I would go so far as to say there's like a filing cabinet that's labeled Randy slash Stephanie question mark because we know, of course, that there were supposedly perhaps maybe uh, a little dalliance between Randy Savage and a young Stephanie McMahon that potentially led to Randy Savage being blacklisted um, from the WWE. Whether or not that's true or not, you know, you could go through and go through all of these things that, you know, didn't happen. It's almost like a warehouse. You know, maybe there's the um, big roller bingo caller thing for whenever they gave away a house or they gave away all of that stuff, you know. And he walks in and he puts the egg down. There's no real payoff to this. The the skit itself is the payoff. Um, You know, he puts the egg down. I'm sure we could find some sort of button to put on it and to, you know, to to kind of wrap things up. Um, But I just thought that would be great. It would be a wonderful way for the WWE to acknowledge the fact um, that they know, they're self-aware enough to know that some of these stories don't, um, you know, don't come to any real fruition. Um, You know. Maybe Eric Bischoff's behind glass somewhere, like frozen in place. That would be kind of funny. Maybe there's a Lazarus pit that Vince eventually dunks himself into before leaving. Um, That would be weird, but a little funny. Um, But I just thought it would be cool. It's never going to happen. But I was just like, that would be a fun segment to see. Uh, We are 12 minutes in. I promised you a tag tournament, and we've done nothing of the sort. Uh, I think mainly because... Um, I wanted to tell you just sort of the journey. I didn't even mention the fact I get to this relaxed state. 
I watch the videos. My brain sort of calms. I go, okay, I'm going to record a podcast. Very excited. Filled my water. You know, said goodbye to the missus. Shut the door. Uh, pull out the MacBook. Plug everything in. Turn it on. A, the battery's dead. That makes total sense. Plug that in. Turn it on. I can't connect the mixer and the microphone. I have to basically go through, unplug everything, replug everything back in, which is how you fix most of the stuff. Did discover that there is a cord that was wrapped around this sort of desk area um, that I was plugging into. You know, the MacBook has an adapter cord that connects to a USB port, which then connects to the microphone. Uh, it was wrapped all the way around. Now it's just off to the side. So that's a nice little savings of, you know, difficulty. Uh, but I will say, I will say, had I not taken those five minutes to calm, um, that would have been enough to make me either rage quit the idea of podcasting today, not of course, not permanently, um, or it would have just caused an unnecessary amount of stress. But because I had sort of centered myself, even just staring at YouTube was centering myself, um, I was able to go, okay, clearly there's, you know, the power's on this, the power's on here. Clearly there's a cord somewhere that needs to either be plugged in or replugged in. And I just traced the cords and managed to solve the problem. So I suppose what I'm trying to say is hopefully you use this podcast uh, as a way to sort of center yourself. And maybe, maybe this is meditative. Meditative? Meditative? Meditative. You know, I don't think I'm ASMR. I'm not talking like this. And scratching with the pen, scratching at the microphone so you hear me writing down all of the things. But... I do, I do hope that this is a, a respite for you. We all need respite care sometimes. I hope this is a respite for you. So now that we are approaching the 15-minute mark, let's actually get into why I pressed record. Um, we have this tag team tournament. There are currently 128 teams left in this tournament. 64 in the tournament proper, 64 in the constellations. Uh, we need to determine, I'm just realizing now, something else we're going to need to do. Uh, and that's fine. We'll adapt. We'll figure it out. Um, so in the constellation rounds, we have two teams left per page. They need to battle. The winners will await the losers of the tournament proper. Uh, the losers of this consolation page need to either enter another tournament themselves or, as I have been wont to do lately, uh, a battle royal to determine um, those winners. I think once we get to the final 64, you know, at some point I'll stop with the battle royal. We'll do it tournament sake. Um, but the battle royals have been fun. That four ring battle royal was sort of entertaining to do. Um, I can't remember who won. I wanted to say at first it was a Bush. No, it was Farouk. It was the Acolytes and Farouk. Farouk won. I do remember. So let's get actually into the matches. We'll figure out the rest in the end. Page one, consolation round. Our two remaining teams are the Superpowers, Dusty and Nikita Koloff, and Legacy. This match is interesting because it is father and son, Rhodes and Rhodes, Dusty versus Cody, 
And I think to no one's surprise, uh, Daddy Dusty going to get the win. Uh, clearly, Ted DiBiase Jr. is the weakest link of the quartet. I would argue Cody's the next weakest, but that's actually more up for debate. Uh, so the superpowers win. They await the losers of page one, legacy, we will do something with in the near future. The OG Usos are taking on the mega powers. Uh, we come back to this whole idea of um, how important do we need to consider historical context. The Usos, no question, a top 10 tag team in wrestling history. One could probably make the case for top five at this point, now that they are back together and, I believe, currently tag team champions. Um, and, you know, this work that they're doing with Bloodline is very historically meaningful, but them on their own, not sure how much historical context they have, whereas Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan with the Mega Powers, pretty big deal. Yes, the big deal is in their split, but it's still a big deal. Um, we also need to consider that the uh, Usos are already in this tournament elsewhere, the Uso Penitentiary version. They are waiting for us on page 13 in the tournament proper. But I think either way, uh, I'm going to give the win uh, here to the OG Usos, if only because uh, I, I don't like Hulk Hogan. I don't. I know for a fact. I'm watching. I'm right up. I've been cruising through um, 2001 wrestling. You've noticed the tweets have increased. I'm back into it. Uh, it helps that this weekend, Doc Manson, um, I finally remembered to remind him not on the podcast. Uh, he upgraded our Peacock, so now there are no ads, so I can just zip right along to what I want to watch. We're very close to King of the Ring. 2001, Kurt Angle, Shane McMahon know what's going to happen there. The invasion's about to start. And I know that in just a couple of months, I'm going to have to deal with Hulk Hogan. And I'm not looking forward to it. I know it doesn't last for a super long time, but I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, and so I don't want to deal with him in this tournament, so he's gone. Usos advance. Page three. Ooh. Ooh, this is interesting. Uh, the ECW Dudleys, some would argue the best version of the Dudleys. I would not be one of those people, but I can certainly understand the argument. Uh, taking on the Legion of Doom. This is not LOD 2000. This is Legion of Doom. I submitted that the Road Warriors were better. You know, LOD was in the WWF, but not for a very long time. Road Warriors dominated much of the 80s. Um However, this is interesting. So we have a case in this instance where both teams should be represented elsewhere in the tournament. So we take that part out. Um, I think in this case, if we consider historical context, I think you got to give it to the Dudleys. The Dudleys, not only the, yeah, I think we can say this pretty certainly, um, the biggest team in ECW history but also one of the most controversial. Like, they were doing things and getting such heel heat uh, in the mid-90s in some 
interesting places in our country um, that I think we would give them historical context. You know, the Legion of Doom, do they have historical context in the WWF? I don't know. Maybe. They jumped over, I suppose. But, you know, having Paul, uh, no, what's his name? Not Paulie Dangerously. Paul Ellering and Rocco is not quite the historical context we're looking for, so I'm going to give the win to the Dudleys. Our final matchup here. Oh, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn. Uh, we have Subculture taking on Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch. Luckily for you, Glenn, um, I haven't gotten to the Lance Cade, Trevor Murdoch era yet. So since I had said earlier in uh, this podcast that I don't want to multitask by looking things up. Um, I know that Caden Murdoch were multi-time tag champions, but that was in an era not great for tag teams. And subculture has a name, which has always been a thing for me, so we'll give the win to subculture. Page five. Ooh. Ooh, this is a good one. Bad Company, Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond, uh, versus The Fantastics, uh, Tommy... Rogers and Bobby Fulton, right? It's not Bobby Rogers and Tommy Fulton. No, that doesn't sound right. Tommy Rogers, Bobby Fulton. Uh, I imagine this match would be fantastic. Forgive the pun. Um, it would have some good company with some of the other great tag team matches. Oh, man. I'm feeling it now. Uh, I think I will give it to the Fantastics. Again, I think if I were to do the research, I believe the Fantastics held more tag team titles um, than Bad Company did. Maybe some of them were United States tag team titles, but a title is a title for the moment. Uh, so we'll give the win to the Fantastics. Lorkin and Birch. Oh, Lorkin and Birch. You could have been so much better than you were. Uh, taking on LAX, Homicide and Hernandez, I think, again, we can't go on potential here. LAX was pretty good. We'll give them the win. Sabu and Taz taking on Bill Dundee and Jerry Lawler. That would be a bloody, crazy brawl all around whatever arena was lucky enough to have those four people uh, doing business. Um, I got a hot tag from Dun from not from Dundee. That would be great. If Bill Dundee had sent in a hot tag defending his own team, oh, that's the dream. That's the dream within a dream, is to have a hot tag someday that is a wrestler talking about themselves. That would be amazing. Um we're, we're seven pages in. I would like to reserve one Jeremy rule. Um, the question is, do I want to use it here? Because if it were up to me, it would be Sabu and Taz. Um, so here's what I'm going to do. I don't do this often. I am going to make a note on this index card that I had originally grabbed in case I needed to write down the name of the losing teams. Uh, and I'm going to set it up right here on the MacBook. I'm not going to make a winner here. We're going to continue through the tournament. If I get to a match that is more likely to need a Jeremy rule, 
then I will give the Jeremy rule to that match, and we will come back and make Sabu and Taz the winner here. If I get through the next 25 pages or so, and I don't have that, then we'll use the Jeremy rule here, and Dundee and Lawler will get the win. I think that's fair. In the interest of fairness, that's what Vince McMahon says a lot in mid nine in 2001. In the interest of fairness, that's how we'll do this. Uh, Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan versus the Body Donnas. I mean, who doesn't love Skip and Zip? You know I do. But they can't win this match. Cactus Jack and Kelvin Sullivan. Kelvin? Kelvin Sullivan. Yeah. Along with Celsius Black and uh, Fahrenheit 451. Um, Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan uh, would just destroy Skip and Zip and scare the heck out of Sonny. Um, fun fact, I don't think I've ever mentioned this, uh, to Jeremy or Glenn, hosts of the incredible Piece of Business podcast, but every time I hear the opening to the Piece of Business podcast, uh, I think Joe Pesci is talking, and for a long time I wanted to know when Joe Pesci ever played a wrestler or a wrestling booker, and then at some point I think Jeremy mentioned the fact that that's actually Kevin Sullivan talking. But I really thought it was Joe Pesci. I really did. Let's move on. Uh, Page nine, Luger and Sting, the 90s version, uh, versus Jeff Jarrett and Owen Hart. I think we got to go with Luger and Sting. You know, um, they were more in the main event scene at this time. Jarrett and Owen, good. Don't get me wrong. You know, happened to be teaming at the unfortunate uh, death of Owen Hart which, quite frankly, makes that team more, I don't want to use the word popular, but more known than it probably would be otherwise. Uh, So Luger and Sting, I think, is the right answer. Page 10, Billy and Chuck or the Nasty Boys. We talked about the historical context of Billy and Chuck, um, but they weren't around for a huge amount of time, and the ending sort of fizzled, if I am remembering the wedding correctly. Uh, So we will go with uh, Jerry Sags and Brian Nobbs, those nasty, nasty boys. The Big Show and Kane versus LAX. This is the other version, Santana and Ortiz. Once again, named versus unnamed. Um, You know, I think a lot of people think LAX is one of the best teams in wrestling right now or of the last few years. They could be right. I honestly don't know. Um, But we'll give them the benefit of the doubt, and they'll beat the Big Show and King. The Authors of Pain versus Sting and Ric Flair. That was me making a fish face. We can't grade on potential. Um, so as good as the authors of pain could have been, that can't factor in uh, to our decision and our conversation right now. However, they are an actual team with an actual name. You know, Big Show and Kane teamed for a while. Sting and Ric Flair, I don't think did. They won a tag title, but I don't recall them being a team for a very long time. Um I'm realizing as I'm watching 2001 (laughs) wrestling that at some point I should go back and 
as I, you know, watch the WCW NWA pay-per-views with all the Mid-South stuff that goes with it. Um, so I'm already thinking of like redoing the quest to incorporate everything. I'll probably feel much the same way if they ever put all the Sunday night heats on. Um, so I think in this case, I don't think the Jeremy rule is really going to apply here. I think in this case, I'm going to go with the authors of pain. Cause again, I, I question, uh, the legitimacy of sting and Ric Flair as a tag team. Maybe I'm wrong. In which case, perhaps I would go back and rectify it, but I think I'm right in that. Uh, page 13. I was wondering if I was going to have to break out the Jeremy rule for this. I'm not. Uh, Eddie Gilbert and Tommy Rich. Eddie Gilbert, I believe Jeremy's favorite wrestler. Uh, they are taking on men on a mission. I don't need to, you know, uh, I don't like men on a mission that much. Uh, Gilbert and Rich will advance. Uh, Booker T and Goldust versus the Sheep Herders. Now, similarly to the big show in Kane, Booker T and Goldust were an actual team. Great moments with them with The Rock. They were kind of more of a comedy duo uh, as opposed to the Sheep Herders, who this is Luke and Butch not as a comedy duo. Uh, and I'm thinking as I'm doing this, I think I do want to prioritize uh, the actual tag teams. Now, I say that having just given Men on a Mission a loss, but the Sheep Herders, pretty popular tag team, pretty brutal tag team. Um, it would be interesting to see the alternate reality in which the Sheep Herders were like t seven to ten years later. Like, I could very easily see the sheep herders in ECW, not the bushwhackers, but like two bloodthirsty, crazy New Zealand. Were they New Zealand? I think they were from New Zealand. Um, types brawling with Sabu and Taz or the Dudleys or any of them. Uh, so we'll give the win to the sheep herders. The Wolves versus Blake and Murphy. I don't know the wolves very much uh and while they do have a name i like buddy murphy i'm, I'm not gonna you know now he's buddy matthews no relation um so i'm going with it the mcmahons versus ambrose and rollins huh well right now in 2001 vince and shane are feuding the invasion is just a joke at this point and let's let's go on a tangent this show has been off the rails from the get-go. Let's go on a tangent. Um, I have, in a separate notebook, I've already started writing down some matches for a rebooked invasion. You know, obviously, I would be operating in a world in which you got everyone from WCW. You just got them all. So you get to do Taker and Sting in 2001, 2002. You just get to do it. Um... Eventually, eventually I would build to it, but, you know, there is a part of me as I'm watching it to be like, you bought your competition. And so right now the competition is, I love him to death, Lance Storm and Shane McMahon driving around in a limousine. And just in the episode that I'm currently watching, uh, Diamond Dallas Page, who is stalking Undertaker's wife for reasons.
to get attention, obviously, to be made famous. So I, you know, you can go back in hindsight and look at it and go, The Rock went to Hollywood, Triple H got hurt, you weren't expecting that. Did you pull the trigger on the invasion early because you needed the big names and the big stories? Probably. I think we can safely say that's probably what happened. But, but, do you also consider the fact that maybe you don't want WCW to seem like a big deal? Maybe if you do this weak invasion, and we love Lance Storm, but he can't lead the thing, um, and Diamond Dallas Page talking about wanting to become famous. You're a multi-time world champion. You were the face of world championship wrestling for a couple of years uh, in the 90s during the Monday Night Wars. And he's there talking about being able to become famous. How much of that was on purpose? How much of it was, you know, WC? we're going to make WCW look like a mosquito that's just bothering us rather than a serious thing? Because, again... They've had this conversation when, when you talk about the NWO. If you want the invasion to be legit, they have to win for a while. Like, you can't have WWF win automatically. WCW has to win for a while. They have to, you know. And are they going to be the heels? I don't know. That's kind of what happened with the NWO. They were the heels until they weren't. Um, but they got to win for a while. Oh. I mm. hold on, just got an idea. Writing a name down, not telling you about it. I know I have other fantasy booking I haven't finished yet. I got a baking show thing to do. I have a Marvel thing I want to do. I, I'm just one man. All right, all right. I can't even finish this episode of the tournament because I keep getting distracted. Let's get back into it. Uh, the McMahons. That's where we started this whole thing versus the Ambrose and Rollins. You go with Ambrose and Rollins. The McMahons. I know technically are a team, but are they, though? But are they? Halfway through, we're going to keep going. We're going to do this whole thing in this episode. I don't care how long it takes. Uh, the Destruction Crew versus Muda and Chono. Uh, we got to give Japan some love in this thing, so we'll go with Muda and Chono. Uh, the Natural Disasters are going to squash the Impact players. Sorry, Lance Storm. Um, you're teaming with Just Incredible. Should have seen it coming. Um, the Midnight Rockers versus Henning and Race. No, Jeremy Rule, he likes both of these teams. I, I think we go with the two hosses here. Uh, Henning and Race will win. I'm assuming the Rockers are still in here somewhere. And then Eminem versus the 2010s DX. Oh, that's interesting. So Eminem, sorry for that sniff. That was probably gross sounding. I should blow my nose, but I don't want to. Uh, Eminem, not Miz and Morrison. This is Morrison, Molina, Nitro. No, Mercury, Molina, Nitro. Uh, and DX. DX will be part. If I, do the, if I do this rebooking, DX reforms much earlier. Shawn Michaels comes back in... Well, I don't know. He comes back. What does he do? He comes back in 02. Maybe it's not that much earlier. He comes back, though. Um... He, they fight the outsiders, clearly. Clearly. You get Sean and Hunter versus Hall and Nash. I mean, with like X-Pac in a cage hanging over the ring or something like that. Um, this is a different DX. This is not the controversial DX. 
But those are two big names. And, you know, Eminem, I missed a lot of Eminem. Uh, I think we got to go with DX. I think we do. DX wins. Oh, my goodness. Kidaro versus the Russians. This would be, this is the closest we've come so far to wondering whether or not we're going to use the Jeremy rule back on page 7 or here on page 21. Because I want to go with Kadaro. Tyson Kidd and Cesaro, fantastic team. Um, but in my head, I know that's not the right answer. At least on page 7, like I think Sabu and Taz might actually be the right answer. I would go with Dundee and Lawler just for Jeremy. In this instance, the Russians are the like you throw in Crush Khrushchev and the whole it's the 80s like the historical context yeah all right we'll give the Russians the win we should that is the right answer we're not going to use a Jeremy rule for it it just is the right answer we're we're far enough in this tournament where that I have to consider the right answer when it's right in front of me at least in this case uh the Rhodes bros versus Seth Rollins and Reigns well that's interesting I wasn't factoring that in. I might need to go back and make a change. In fact, I'm going to. I'm going to go back and make a change. Uh, Let's go back to page 16. Ambrose and Rollins were not the two members of the Shield that were the team. That was Rollins and Reigns. I'd forgotten that. So I actually think the McMahons win over Ambrose and Rollins because they were more of a team. And I think Rollins and Reigns defeats the Rhodes brothers. Um... Because that is the tag team version of the Shield. Yeah. All right. I feel good about that. Uh, Evolution versus the Bulldog and Owen. I, I love the Bulldog and Owen as a team. Well, you want to call him Camp Cornette? Go ahead. Give him a name. So give him a point. Uh, Batista and Flair. Eh, eh, eh. Yeah. I'm going here. Bulldog and Owen. They win. Owen Hart's got to be doing something. I. Uh, had him lost, lose with Jeff Jarrett. There's a match coming up where he's teaming with Yokozuna. They're not going to win. They're in the tournament proper. They're just not going to win. Um, so I'm going to get him the win here. Bulldog and Owen win. Ooh, the Twin Towers versus Kurt Henning and Scott Hall. We love you, Brandon Banks. We do. And we love that you love the Twin Towers. And we also love the Twin Towers. But Mr. Perfect and Razor Ramon as a tag team in the AWA, both seen as like the future of the business. I think we got to go with Henning and Hall on that one. I'm sorry, Brandon. Akeem's African dream will have to live on potentially in Hoss fight. Stay tuned. Page 25. Um, The Brothers of Destruction beat the Royal Brothers. Sorry. To Glenn, except you would say the same thing. Um... The Faces of Fear are going to defeat Pretty Wonderful in a match right out of WCW Saturday night. This pen is running out of ink. Can it make it through? Probably. Uh, Yeah, we're at the point now. I'm giving Chronic the win over the Calamari Catch Kings. Again, apologies to you, Glenn. Um, I don't know that you would argue. You won't argue with... Brothers of Destruction over the Royal Brothers. You might make a case for this one. Um, I encourage you to try to change my mind. Ooh, I have another purple pen. What a happy day. Uh, And then, oh, oh, okay. Huh. Hmm. 
page 28. Uh, Kidman and Rey Mysterio. That's team one. Great team. Um, WCW, I think they even team a little bit in the WWF once the invasion starts. Um, very good team. Filthy animals. Even even with Rey Mysterio not wearing the mask, very good team. But they're facing Ted DiBiase and Steve Williams. Now, technically, I've not seen that team. So none of them have a name. I suppose Kidman and Mysterio are the filthy animals, but that's a stable name more than a tag team name. But if we consider the scene unseen, we go with Kidman and Mysterio. Um, historical context. DiBiase and Williams had nice hair. Does that count? Um, I can name them all, obviously. I'm sure I said when we did this and we got these matchups set up that DiBiase and Williams would just run over Kidman and Mysterio. But right now in this moment, I feel like Kidman and Mysterio should win. That is the right answer because they were a bigger deal of a tag team, at least in the 90s for me. So... Let's leave that. Let's write that down over here. Now let's finish up this. We have four more matches to do, and then we can make our our, our cases here. The North and Killer Elite Squad. Ooh. Ooh. The North is very good. Very, very good. But Killer Elite Squad has been... I don't know if they're still teaming. Hopefully they do in AEW. Uh, but Killer Elite Squad was good for a long time, so we're going to give them the win. 90s DX versus the London Riots. Glenn, I'm sorry. I, if you think you can make a case for one of these, even if you want to just do it in writing, um, you have the best chance of doing it with the Calamari Catch Kings over Chronic. Um, but you're welcome to try. If you think the London Riots should beat the 90s DX, let me know. If you think... Uh, CCK should beat Chronic, let me know. If you think the Royal Brothers should beat the Brothers of Destruction, let me know. Um, I would consider one of those. Probably CCK. I'm almost tempted to just do CCK versus Chronic right now, but I'm going to let you decide, Glenn. You think about it. I trust you. Uh, Bachwinkle and Stevens versus DIY. I am sure Bachwinkle and Stevens are good, but I haven't seen them, and they don't have a name. So we're going with DIY. And then I am saying that Imperium defeats MLW's Von Eriks. That's how I see it. So we have finished what I set out to finish. The last question is, where does the Jeremy rule come in? Does it come in with Dundee and Lawler versus Sabu and Taz? Does it come in with DiBiase and Williams over Kidman and Mysterio. Let's do something I don't normally do. Let's look ahead and do some some math. Uh, the winning team on page seven, Sabu and Taz versus Dundee and Lawler, will advance to take on the losers of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew and Daniels and Kazarian. We are likely going to see Daniels and Kazarian lose. 
against Ole and Arne Anderson. I think that's probably the only way I can do that. So, what would be the better match? I don't know. And then on page 28, we have New Day versus Harpro. That's another toughie. But obviously, the New Day's got to win that. I would like to imagine DiBiase and Williams versus Harper and Rowan. Though I'd also like to imagine Kidman and Mysterio versus Harper and Rowan. I know that I would love DiBiase and Williams as a tag team. I just haven't seen it. And Kid... All right, this is how I have to decide this. Of the teams that I think are the right answer, Sabu and Taz or Kidman and Mysterio, which one do I think is the right-her answer? Sabu and Taz, good team, didn't last very long, important because they legit hated each other. Kidman and Mysterio were one of the big teams of late era WCW. Um, did re- It's got to be that one. All right. All right. Kidman and Mysterio advance on page 27. Or no, 28, excuse me. And we will use the Jeremy rule as we originally intended on page 7 to beat Sabu and Tass. Well, there you have it. So here's what I got to do next. There are 32 teams that lost from Legacy to Billy and Chuck to the London Riots, maybe, uh, to Pretty Wonderful. Do I put them in a big battle royal, 60-man battle royal, World War III style? Or do I do a tournament, which will require slightly more work but might be more fair to the teams? Uh, And then... We go into the final 64. It's March Madness here in late November, early December. So some things to consider. But that is for another show because we are 46 minutes in. I went on a bunch of tangents. I went from being very national public radio. Hello, how are you? Would you like to touch my shveti balls? Um, To I think I just ended the show like I normally do. So you'll have to let me know which one you prefer because I can do the quiet, reserved sort of tournament booking if that's how you prefer it. I can be quiet and just sort of talk you to sleep here on the night train as we take you through the evening here on WJOB Radio. My name is DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed it. I'll see you the next time we celebrate the joy of booking.